Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours on this Tuesday, July the 12th, the year 2022. Busy show planned for you and yours. So let's get right underway as my main man, James Mesh, is back. He is back and better than ever. Done with the morning shift, back to the afternoon. He's in the producer's chair. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is, you know the drill, 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, Turn on your TV because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, um, if you were worried about recruiting when it came to LSU, the overall commit count being low at one point in time, well, the dust has settled from visits and camps and things has shifted. Now LSU has the third most commits among SEC schools for the 2023 class, while early they have the most commits among SEC teams for 2024. They picked up JoJo Stone yesterday, a four-star athlete from Georgia and today another uh, as they say the um, the BK rising as Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers pick up four-star running back Caleb Jackson from Liberty Magnus used to be Lee High School in uh, in Baton Rouge Louisiana now it's Liberty High School um, did it with no media on hand, uh, but announced it in front of his teammates. Now, Frank Wilson has landed the one-two running back punch in Louisiana by keeping Caleb Jackson and Trey Holly home for college. They head into their senior year as the highest-ranked running backs in the state. So there you go. Now, Jackson, it's all about who was after him. Well, he was hotly pursued by Alabama, but he chose to stay home. So Tigers stay still staying red hot on the recruiting trail. And that is uh, that's quite uh, quite the performance and quite the job done by this LSU basket uh, basketball LSU football. Staff. Speaking of LSU football, they will be um, heading to Atlanta, as will we, right? As will we. They'll be heading to Atlanta for the SEC media days. And with that in mind, wondering who's going to be heading and representing LSU. Well, Brian Kelly um, announced three players will be joining him at the uh, day one 
opening day, opening round. He'll have um, sophomore wide receiver. You should be proud of your St. Thomas Moore Cougar, Jack Besh, junior linebacker, Mike Jones, Jr., and junior edge rusher, B.J. Ogilari. Now, what goes into this? Well, one, you got to have some cachet. You got to be a good player. That's number one. And equally as important as that is you have to be articulate and you have to understand the message that LSU wants sent out at the College Hall of Fame and the Omni Atlanta Hotel at the CNN Center. So Kelly and the three players speak on the first day along with Ole Miss and Mizzou. So Besh, a breakout freshman year as a hybrid tight end, led the team with 43 receptions, 489 yards, three touchdowns. He appeared in every game, started seven times. Uh, He has returned to wide receiver full-time in LSU's new offense. Um, After transferring from Clemson last spring, Jones, well, he needed some time to get used to playing inside linebacker. He spent most of the year as the backup at the position, but after LSU made major defensive adjustments during the open date, he started the last five games, often blitzing off the edge, finished with 34 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and two quarterback hurries. Now he's expected to play an integral role in Matt House's scheme at inside linebacker. The most established of the three is Ogilari. Started 12 games last season, led the team with seven sacks, ranked second with 11 and a half tackles for loss, and racked up 55 tackles. So Ogilari and Jones and Besh will be your representatives for LSU when they head to the College Football Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Um, New Orleans Pelicans got a win last night, albeit um, another, mm, another, oh, I can't believe this happened. They beat the uh, Atlanta Hawks, who cares, 101 to 73. Trey Murphy, the third, led the way with 30 points to go along with six rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. Um, but the news of the day was EJ Liddell, the second round pick played just under 13 minutes was three for three from the field before suffering an injury that looked pretty darn severe. He couldn't put any weight on his, uh, on his leg as he was being escorted off the court, um, get an MRI, no new news yet on this point where he hasn't signed a contract yet. So unfortunately for him, um, this serious knee injury could be, could be difficult. Um, he's supposed to get an MRI, still no word on EJ Liddell at this point in time. So you had Dyson Daniels in game one with an ankle injury. You have EJ Liddell in game two with a right knee injury. Uh, shut it down. Don't let Trey Murphy play anymore. Don't even think about playing Jose Alvarado or anybody of significance. Najee Marshall, you're done. You're done. Play the Tyreek Joneses and the Jared Harpers and the John Petty Juniors and the Darion Sebrons and people like that. Who cares about summer league games? Let's just move on. On right, Alabama coach Nick Saban believes college football is heading down the path of mega conferences. Um, during an appearance on a podcast, he, he he talked about, I think we're going to quote, I think we're going to deal with it in a greater capacity than ever before because I think mega conferences are probably here 
to stay, market share. There's a lot of that involved in why we're doing what we're doing. But then um, when you look at it, um, I don't think the SEC is going anywhere with this at this point in time. I think the SEC says, okay, we've got 16 teams and we're going to be just fine. Um, We're going to be just fine. I don't believe they're going to attempt to get any bigger at this point in time. There's so many things that go into um, this, including the proper fit, the market share. What what does it bring to the table? What does it? Um, so I we'll see. I just I just don't think. Um, that's going to be something that happens in the near future. And look, the, the SEC would go and get a Clemson or a North Carolina or a Virginia Tech, but they've got those right deals with the ACC. They're going to let those schools, if they really want to leave, the Clemsons of the world want to leave and go somewhere else, the SEC is going to sit back and wait and say, hey, you take care of your business, and then we'll talk to you, uh, we'll talk to you later on. All right, we'll talk to you later on. So, so we shall see. Um, the Sun Belt Conference announced its 2022-23 basketball schedule today, unveiling the matchups and the dates of the Raging Cajuns' 18-game league slate. Remember, the Cajuns reached the Sun Belt Conference championship game last season. They'll begin conference action on Thursday. I know this is a long way away, but Thursday, December 29th, at Coastal Carolina, and conclude their regular season matchups at home against South Alabama on Friday, February the 24th. The home schedule, home-and-home matchups with newcomer Southern Miss, in addition to ULM, South Alabama, Arkansas State, Texas State, and Troy. So stay tuned for more on the Raging Cajuns and their uh, college basketball schedule. I think it's very, obviously, it is an incredibly pivotal year for one Bob Marlin. Sticking with hoops, LSU will be in Bimini, the Bahamas, over Thanksgiving to take on George Mason and UAB at the Goombay Splash. The Goombay Splash. You look at all the preseason rankings, all the polls that are out there. LSU football, not in the top 25. LSU basketball, not in the field of 68. A lot of uh, opportunities to prove people wrong um, by this. The best of the best on and off the field, Lisa Gunnerson, LSU track and field pole vaulter extraordinaire, has been named an NCAA Woman of the Year nominee. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Speaking of track, Nathaniel Mitchell-Blake will captain Great Britain at the World Athletic Championships. Another LSU Tiger doing uh, incredibly well um, on the cinder. On the cinder. So um, let me tell you what we have coming up today. Uh, we'll talk more and more about uh, Summer League. More some LSU, former LSU Tigers are tearing it up can i tell you tyree eason what a stud he is we'll talk a little bit about that matthew bruni will join us um 
later on at around 2.30ish to talk more things LSU and their recruiting role at 3 o'clock. Uh, big pivotal series. Well, it, it's a fun series as the Astros take on the L.A. Angels, Otani, Trout, and company. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle will join us, talk about that. And then it's a Tuesday. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as well. Did you know that uh, Eon of Lafayette has a Christmas in July going on right now? You book an appointment get a 10, in July, you get a 10% discount. It's the first touchless robotic laser contouring device of which you feel nothing but a cool breeze while um, it's doing its mastery. Uh, All the hard places that you work out, you can't lose that belly. You can't lose those love handles on the side. Eon of Lafayette can get it done for you and get it done permanently. Get a 10% discount in the month of July. It's Christmas in July. Compliments of Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette. We'll take our first time out of the day. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk some NBA Summer League hoop spells and some former Tigers tearing it up here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 19 minutes after the hour. Shortly, Matthew Bruni will join us. We'll talk more about LSU and this, quote, recruiting heater they're on. And who's uh, who's next in the line? Um, they've got defensive line. They've got running backs. They've got to get some offensive linemen. We'll explore that avenue. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, speaking of so good, I love to talk about uh, players that we watched at our favorite schools uh, and see how they're doing as they're trying to – to uh, make a living doing what they love to do. And for Terry Eason, um, who was drafted as the number 17 overall pick in the first round of the recent NBA draft, remember he came to LSU via Illinois. Um, Man, he has been, he's been terrific. He recorded his third double-double in as many games in the Houston Rockets' 97-84 win over the San Antonio Spurs. Um, He's been terrific. Uh, 22 points, 9 of 16 shooting, pulled down 11 rebounds, added three assists, two steals, and two blocks. So remember, Jabari Smith Jr. was their first pick, number three overall then they get terry eason and i'm here to tell you terry eason's outplayed him there's no there's no question eason's averaging 16.7 points per game ranks third in the summer league with 11.7 rebounds per game uh houston sit him down you don't need to see any more from terry eason he has been spectacular uh in summer league um honestly he's been he's been great so um that's one 
Um, another. Um, how about? Uh, let's see. Um, Sharif O'Neal. Sharif O'Neal. Um, wasn't drafted. I think the Lakers gave him one of those. Um, hey, thanks to your dad, we're gonna we're gonna do some things. He got seven points versus Phoenix to go with four rebounds against Charlie. They had four points and seven rebounds. He plays again tonight against the Clippers. Um, I just don't see much much happening uh, for him. Um, another player, Darius Days, with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, 11 points, 7 rebounds in his opener. 17 points, 13 rebounds against Golden State. 13 points, 11 rebounds against Houston. Um he going to stay. He going to make he's going to make a roster. Um he's going to have a two-way contract. Uh but he's going to make it. He is going to make it. So Eason, number one, Darius Days, number two, Josh Gray hadn't done anything. The former point guard, Sharif O'Neal, not happening. Duop Reith with the Phoenix Suns. It's a tough lineup to break into. Did get one double-figure game against the Lakers with 11. Javante Smart is with the Miami Heat. They are a guard-laden team uh, against Boston in their opener. Eight points, three rebounds, 0 for 4 from downtown. Didn't get to the free throw line. That's not good. Let me tell you the other heater out there is cam thomas why he's playing in the summer league uh anymore I, I can't believe he would be you talk about instant offense first game against milwaukee he had 31 points on 11 of 23 shooting eight of 12 from the free throw line and a pair of assists he's a flat out scorer two days later against philadelphia 26 points five of 17 shooting one of three from downtown, but 15 for 15 from the free throw line, seven assists and two steals. Cam Thomas, sit down. You don't need to play tonight against Memphis or on Thursday against Minnesota. This guy is, um, he's a scorer. He's a scorer. Had valuable minutes for the Brooklyn Nets a year ago and his valuable minutes now. He's, he's getting better and better and better. Uh, Tremont Waters is with the Memphis Grizzlies. He had 16 points uh, the other night against Minnesota. He gets to go up against Cam Thomas in Brooklyn tonight if Cam Thomas plays. Another good player that I thought he would make it in the NBA simply because he just knows how to play the game, and that's Trendon Watford with the Portland Trailblazers. A little sm- slow start, opener against Detroit, 7.6 rebounds, comes back against the Pelicans and gets 20 points and 11 rebounds, and then last night against the New York Knicks, 18.6 rebounds. Just understands the game, understands the game, and that means kind of – everything when you think about it so uh lsu doing well um and they're well represented in the nba how many will make it well i guarantee you uh, terry eason's gonna make it after that mm, i think trendon watford will make it with portland and then we'll go from there uh some thursday is the start of the open championship um at st andrews in scotland and um, Greg Norman, who is the leader of the rival Live Golf Tour, um, was not invited to St. Andrews um, by the RNA. 
who is heading the Saudi Arabia-backed rival league. Uh, and the, the RNA reached out to Norman, told him his presence at the celebration on champions on Monday and the champions dinner today was not welcomed. Norman did not journey to the seaside village of St. Andrews. Tiger Woods spoke out tonight, uh, yes, uh, today uh, about it. And he said, quote, Greg has done some things that I don't think are in the best interest of our game. And we're coming back to probably the most historic and traditional place in our sport. I believe it is the right thing. I know what the PGA Tour stands for and what we have done and what the tour has given us, the ability to chase after our careers and to earn what we get and the trophies we've been able to play for in the history that's been part of this game. I know Greg tried to do this back in the early 90s. It didn't work then, and he's trying to make it work now. I still don't see how that's in the best interest of the game. No one carries more clout than Tiger Woods. And when he speaks, people listen. So Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Sergio Garcia, some of the top names in the Live Tour, uh, which they'll have eight tournaments this year featuring team play, 54 holes, no cuts, and shotgun starts. It just goes against everything uh, that the PGA Tour has allowed and it stands for. So, um, Again, is it sustainable? We shall see. Are people gravitating to the live tour? We shall see. Do they get a television deal? We shall see. That's what it's all, all, all about. Um, Tiger went on to go say the guys. Um, I can understand 54 holes is almost like a mandate when you get to the PGA Champions Tour. The guys are a little bit older, a little bit more banged up. But when you're at this young age, and some of these kids, they really are kids, who uh, who have gone from amateur golf into that organization, 72 hole tests are part of it. I just don't see how that move is positive in the long term for a lot of these players. So the biggest name in golf is speaking out against the live tour and we shall see now the big thing about that and we'll talk with alex myers tomorrow at 2 30 to discuss this um what happens with the criteria with world ranking points the criteria for entering major championships maybe some of these players may never get a chance to play in major championships and that is a distinct possibility so we shall see. Uh, we shall see. Um, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Simple mission statement. They just want to see you happy. Leave the store happy with more money in your pocket because you saved. They have their Buku Rewards Club, free to join. You save every day inside the store. You can go join their, um, their Gator Gas Program, which means you're going to save at the pump. Save in the store. Save outside the store at the pump. Yeah, if you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, man, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. All right, we'll take a time out here. Matthew Bruni will join us. We'll talk more about LSU football recruiting. Who's next and where the Tigers stand nationally right now. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the red-hot Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. 
Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 12, 1970. Jack Nicklaus beats Doug Sanders by one stroke at St. Andrews in the Open Championship's first 18-hole playoff. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. back 34 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, July the 12th. I've never heard it so often. LSU's on a, quote, recruiting heater. Wow. Matthew Bruni covers LSU for Go247 Sports. Kind enough to join us after the, uh, too long of an absence. Matthew, how you been, buddy? What's going on, man? I'm doing great. It's been it's been about a month or so since, since, uh, since we've talked. And, uh, yeah, I didn't want to bother like you. Said, you know, I got to give done. you a break, but but it's a big day, yeah, so I got to get you back because four-star running back Caleb Jackson is on board. So uh, Frank Wilson gets the number one and number two running back in the state. So uh, I guess it is a heater. Is that the proper term? Yeah, I mean that's what you expect from Frank Wilson, obviously, um, with what he has done at LSU in the past, and so. Um, I, I think this was a must get for them, you know, at the running back position. Uh, we know that, you know, they're, they're getting a little older there with John Emery and then Noah Kane and so on and so forth. And uh, we're kind of leaving the program, so they needed running back depth. Uh, I think this was a good pickup for them. But, yeah, man, this is, this is uh, it's been really interesting to see them come alive here in the month of July and kind of fill a lot of the needs that they've needed uh, over, the, over the past week or two. I mean, the last 11 days, I, I, you know, there was a lot of worry about Brian Kelly. And look, you, you lose quarterbacks to out-of-state schools. I don't think LSU needs a quarterback in this class. I just don't. Then you have a safety that commits to Texas, and everybody's up in arms like, oh, my gosh. Well, have these past 12 days um, silenced the critics about Brian Kelly, or are they still out there? Um. I- I definitely, I definitely think they've silenced them a good amount. Um, you know, a lot of the, like, like you said, a lot of the criticism came from re- recruiting Louisiana, and I never thought it was realistic that they were going to go and get all the Louisiana kids in this class right. just because they started so late, obviously, right? Like, these are guys who um, are coming from different places, like Oklahoma, you know, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you know, these, it's just not realistic for them to come in and recruit these guys who – um, they had, don't have relationships with. So to right. lose them, uh, Louisiana guys wasn't wasn't concerning to me. But a lot of people are like, if you don't have that base, how are you going to have a successful class? And they've answered that question just because um, they're good coaches and good recruiters, and they have connections across the country. I mean, you look at the defensive line, Jamar Kane. I mean, he's pulled guys from Minnesota to you know across the country, and. Uh, to Maryland and all these places, and I think that's mm-hmm. just what you get when you get good, good coaches like that. The Louisiana commitments will come in time, I think, but you guys can, can recruit anywhere. I think the big, um, the big explosion was when five-star Miami receiver Jalen Brown. Um, turned his back on Mario Cristobal and and uh, uh, an up-and-coming program in Miami. 
um, and left, and he he's the top commit in LSU's class, for, it, it, assuming, and look, that's what commitments are, but commitments are broken every day, um, assuming he remains in the fold, right? So that's the second five-star out-of-state talent that Kelly has signed. He got Harold Perkins from Texas in 2022, and now he gets Jalen Brown for the class of 23. I think when that announcement came, I think that caught people's attention. Would you agree? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it it came out of, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, but it definitely was, there was some hesitation from the receiver position because uh, I think, I mean, a lot of people have talked about Sheldon Sampson, you know, from, from Catholic here in Baton Rouge, and it's like, all right, they got to get him. But to get Dalen Brown as a five-star receiver, and then, you know, potentially if you can get Sheldon Sampson as well, if you get those two, I mean, that is, two of the top five receivers in the country, really. And that is something that can change the trajectory of your entire offense for years to come. And so Jalen Brown was a huge I mean, Like you said, get him out of Miami uh, with Miami wanting him. Uh, it wasn't something I was expecting, especially a couple weeks ago. Um, I thought they were going to have to piece together that receiver room. But, man, for, for them, to, for Cortez Hankton and Brian Kelly and them to get Jalen Brown um, was definitely huge for this class. He is the one and only Matthew Bruni, kind enough to uh, join us. I I look at it, look, uh, Brian Kelly, look, everybody from LSU wants to win and win right away. But I think Scott Woodward hired Brian Kelly for his ability to build a 10-year plan. I mean, he's got a 10-year contract and and have a an organization where there's no ups and downs like we've seen in the past um, that's sustainable and that will will win. But I don't think he was hired to win from day one, right? I mean, he made Notre Dame a year-in, year-out winner without being a, a recruiting juggernaut. He wasn't in the top five. He was always in the, in the teens. But now in the state of Louisiana, there's more expectations there. But Right. I mean, this is a long term plan with winning um, part of it, obviously. Yeah, well, we, we talked about it before that our both of our expectations are, are tempered, you know, compared to, I think, the average fan. I think, you know, our season would be fantastic for this first year, you know, and kind of just how it goes uh, when you're rebuilding a program. But I, I agree with you in that Scott Woodward, I think, in all of his hires has definitely been a more of a long-term guy than a short-term guy. I mean, he's gone out coaches that have not only a history of, of winning, but a history of building programs up, maybe not from the best situations. Right? I mean, Notre Dame wasn't in a great spot, you know, before they had Brian Kelly. You know, Kim Mulkey wasn't in. I mean, when she got to Baylor 20 or so years right. ago, I mean, they were terrible for nothing. To... Yeah. So uh, I think that's kind of where he, what he's looking for. And I, I definitely agree. I don't think this year is, is, um, is the year whether he's like, all right, you know, it has to be 10 wins every single year starting now. Like, I think you look at this as if you can get 10, 10 plus wins starting in 2024, starting in 2025 and go from there. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what the expectation they would be foolish and and if they did not understand the fact i know they do that maybe this isn't the greatest depth wise from a recruiting 
aspect in the state of Louisiana this year, but they understand the importance. You, you're not going to win a national championship if you don't get the very best players from your own state. And I'm sure that is the goal. It's just, it takes some time. It's all about relationships and yeah, they've had a year under their belt, but it takes more than that. You got to start recruiting these kids when they're freshmen in high school. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's what I think me personally being on uh, the recruiting scene a lot closer over the past few months uh, is what I've really seen is the 2025 class, 2024 class. That's where, you know, guys like Joe Sloan, right, uh, the quarterback coach, he can really start to build those relationships because, yeah, Arch Manning, Eli Holstein, and um, and uh, other quarterbacks, in the area, Ricky Collins. I mean, you have these quarterbacks that aren't going to LSU, at least not at the moment. And people are like, oh, why couldn't they get one of them? It's not that easy. You can't just walk into a room and be like, hey, come here. You have to have relationships. And I think that's where I think you'll see them really start to flourish in coming years because that's, as we know, that's what separates LSU, right? Louisiana talent. So um, I think across the board, you'll start seeing more Louisiana guys. I think the future classes, that's where it's going they're going to make their, There's a couple make their of Louisiana kids. As I said uh, before, these guys are such good recruiters, and Brian Kelly's done such a great job of getting this staff together that I, I, a lot of my concerns have been quelled over the past two weeks. I just said that to somebody yesterday. I said, I don't know why I have this um, air of confidence about everything involving LSU football. I think Brian Kelly – brings that with him from his past and the way he's handled the short amount of time he's been here. I just have confidence that this program is in the right direction. Now he's got to get it done on the field when the lights are turned on and they start keeping score, but I don't have any doubts about that because I think he'll get the right players. And you mentioned Louisiana. There's a couple of kids out there. Look, they've got a, they've got a whole bunch of defensive linemen. They got the best two running backs in the state. You know, they're going to get wide receivers. It seems like the focus needs to be on the offensive line. And apparently they got two studs, one from Neville high up North and one from St. Aug in new Orleans that uh, might be important gets for them. What, what are you hearing about Zalance heard from Neville and Tyree Adams from St. Aug? Yeah. Heard and Adams are two guys uh, throughout the camp season. I watched a lot of, and I, I think they are, Top priorities for LSU at this moment. I think LSU makes continues to make inroads with them. I, I'm not sure that they commit this month, but I think LSU is in a good position with both both of them. And like you said, I think those are two guys. The offensive line is now the position that I'm turning to. Like, all right, let's see where they go here because they don't have an offensive line commit yet. So, Dallas Hurd, uh, Tyree Adams, and you kind of go go through the list of, of targets, and you're like, okay, this is where I think they're going to go next. Now, when that happens, I'm not sure exactly, but I mm-hmm. think Adams and Hurd are two guys who will lead that charge. So whenever those dominoes fall, I think that's when you start to see the offensive line really start to go. So, um, I'm, you know, Brad Davis has been in it for a while. I'm not concerned about it, but I think that's the next uh, position to watch. 
Uh, Scott Woodward's been uh, very, very busy. He lost his right-hand man, who's now the uh, right-hand person, who's now the athletic director at Nevada. And the word's out where they're expected to hire West Virginia Deputy Athletic Director Chief Operating Officer Kelly Zinn as the second-highest-ranking member of the athletic department under Scott Woodward. She'll replace Stephanie Rempe, who left, as I said, last month to become the AD at Nevada. So the official announcement is expected expected to be coming in the uh, in the coming days, but um, a very important person who has a whole lot of responsibility, a West Virginia grad. Uh, any ideas on uh, Ms. Zinn? Now, um, when it comes to Stephanie Rippey, I mean, I don't think we can really understate how important she was. Um, right. You know, she was really, really, really good at job. That's why she's going to be the athletic director at Nevada. Um, I've talked to a couple people that know how good she is and so that's this is obviously a a big deal to get this level of uh, talent to replace her and I I think there was an understanding that Woodward would be able to do this he has a lot of connections um and obviously the athletic department scene and so he's been around the country and so I'm not too too concerned but uh as far as uh, Kelly Zinn goes I um I don't know about her specifically or what maybe she brings or maybe she doesn't bring. That's different from Stephanie Rempe, but I think there's a lot of trust in Scott Woodward at this moment um, across the board in anything he does just because of what he, uh, the people he's hired to this point. So we'll, we'll see if this continues that trajectory. This will be the first time in over a decade that Woodward works with a new number two in his athletic department. He hired Rempe at Washington, followed him to Texas A&M, followed him to LSU. Now she goes to Nevada. So we'll see what uh, Miss Zinn uh, can bring to the table. But she comes with uh, outstanding credentials. I brought this up, and, and as we close things up, I'm I'm just curious as to your thought on this. I mentioned it yesterday, and I've got to believe that LSU back in the in closed doors or they're all always looking for ways to generate income, whether whether it's a beer garden, the Tiger Stadium, or uh, whatever it may be. I'm wondering, not if, but when we have naming rights to Tiger Stadium and naming rights to the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. I wonder if that, not not if, but when that's coming, because I think that's inevitable everywhere. Yeah. No, it, it definitely feels it feels inevitable. Anytime there's a stadium that doesn't have a sponsor on it, it feels too good to be true, right? It like feels like there's something that they're waiting for something. I mean, like we saw Heinz Field, the Steelers changed their name. Yeah, that's Field. why. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, it's. I, I agree. I think it's it's probably just a waiting game at this point. Whether they're waiting for the right offer, whether they're trying to make a deal behind the scenes, um, I'm not privy to that but it right. wouldn't surprise me at all if in two years we're talking about tiger stadium as being something else stadium so um that is an interesting point though it's an interesting point to, to bring up and look at and consider because lsu has been able they've been I don't say they've been lucky because you know they've done a great job building revenue in other places but to not have to have that sponsor on your stadium and not on either your spot or for football or basketball i think that's a luxury that a lot of places can't afford so that is that's an interesting point. Yeah, I can see it now. Go 247 at Tiger Stadium. How about that? There goes your pay raise. I'm, I'm sorry. Not, yeah, I need a, I need a statue of that if that happens. <laughs> 
Matthew Bruni. Uh, always fun talking with you, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, a recruiting heater for LSU football. I've never heard that before, and I've been doing this a long, long time, but it's called a recruiting heater. Uh, and we'll see if that silenced some of the critics, buddy. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Jordy. Anytime. Yep. Uh, Matthew Bruni of uh, Go. Two, four, seven sports. That LSU update brought to you by Cajun Chef right there in St. Martinville, Louisiana, famous for its Louisiana hot sauce, Cajun pickles, spicy Cajun spicy beans. Uh, try our okra and pickles and everything out there. It's shipped nationwide from Louisiana. You can find it at your favorite grocery store. You can find it at your favorite restaurant. But do like I do. Bring a little small bottle with you wherever you go, just in case, because everything, and I mean everything, tastes better with a little Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. We'll wrap up hour number one. Set the stage for a busy hour number two here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is packing its bags, heading to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Tune in starting this coming Monday, July 18th, as both RP3 and company and Crux Tie with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live, they'll also be providing live updates every day on footnotes and our show, the Jordy Helpert Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. How about your uh, first home run in the big leagues? And uh, it's former Catholic High of Baton Rouge and LSU baseballer Josh Smith hits an inside the parker as he hit one to center field, the center field to try to grab it. Uh, short hopped it and missed it, went past him, rolled all the way to the wall. And uh, the Texas Ranger, Josh Smith, has an inside-the-park homer. That's not bad. Not bad at all. How about that? Yes, indeed. Um, Draymond Green has been announced as a member of the Michigan State University Athletic Hall of Fame class of 2022. Very deserving for for Draymond, who is um, outspoken, to say the very, very least, but backs it up because he is a... uh, He's a really good player. He's just a good player. Um, So uh, coming up, our number two of the program, Chandler Rome will join us, talk all things Astros. What's been the biggest surprise this year? What's been the biggest negative this year for a team that's uh, really playing well? I I think the surprise might be Justin Verlander. He has been uh, absolutely sensational. We'll talk about the big series come up starting tonight against the uh, the Los Angeles Angels, Otani, Trout, and company. Yes, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us uh, as he does each and every Tuesday, the latest on the Saints. And how does he agree or disagree with the poll being taken by executives, coaches, and players who make their top 10 picks at positions 
and who are the best quarterbacks, who are the best running backs, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go through the list and share his thoughts <coughs> on that. Um, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Now, once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you will have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the GAME text club find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com we're brought to you today by eon of lafayette the first touchless robotic um cool sensing um device that gets rid of fat permanently and if you make an appointment today or in the month of july You've got a 10% discount coming your way. Compliments of Eon of Lafayette. It's uh, It really does work. Uh, and it's uh, Tara LaPerry runs it. And she is tremendous. So give her a call at 337-278-7641. That's 337-278-7641. Hour number two. Straight ahead. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. If you missed anything from hour number one, go to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and you can get it on demand at an appropriate time. Um, we begin hour number two talking about uh, the Houston Astros, who begin a three-game set uh, tonight, 8.38 first pitch, our time, uh, in Los Angeles, taking on the L.A. Angels. Everybody's talking about the the Yankees, and deservedly so. 71% winning baseball, 61 wins, 25 losses. They've been sensational. They lead their division by 14 and a half games over the Red Sox. But closely behind them are the Astros with a 56-29 record. That's a 66% winning percentage. And they've got a 12-game lead over the red-hot Seattle Mariners. He sees them each and every day. He knows them inside and out. That's our next guest, uh, our good friend Chandler Rome, who is the Astros beat writer at the Houston Chronicle. How's life in L.A., big guy? It's been a long time, man. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no problem, Jordy. It's uh, it's life in LA is pretty great. It's sunny, seventy five. Can't can't complain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, when you win as many games as the Astros have, you can't complain too much. What has been, what has been the biggest surprise to you about this team this year? I think just uh, probably I, I knew the pitching staff would be good. I didn't think it would be next level elite. You know, I thought, obviously, you know, you had some questions about Verlander coming back from Tommy John, and he's answered all of those and more. But, I mean, it's their young guys, like Jose Arquiti's pitched well, Christian Javier's pitched well. 
Um, Framber Valdez has taken that next step and is an all-star now. Um, you know, I, I just think the overall level of pitching, again, I didn't think they'd be a bad pitching staff. I just thought they'd right. be a little bit above average. But this is an elite pitching staff, and, you know, they're doing it a little bit of a different way. You know, their their offense isn't world beaters. Um, they're, they're getting better. They're better than they were in April and May. But this is not a world-beating offense. They're just they're very good at run prevention. They don't allow runs, and their defense is good enough to where they're keeping other guys, teams off the scoreboard. He was uh, very talented, very inconsistent, but this Brian Abreu, um, he's been maybe one of the best in a very terrific bullpen. What has his presence meant this year? Brian Abreu, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, they, they've always kind of thought he was a, a really good, you know, he's had some of the best stuff in the bullpen. He's been up to 100. Um, you know, he's just controlling it. Control's been a big thing for him. Um, you know, but they, they, they have no problem using him in high leverage spots. They have no problem, you know, putting him in close games. And, you know, he's certainly not the, the, one of the high leverage relievers, but he's certainly a guy that's really cemented himself as a, as a established major league reliever. And, you know, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when, yeah. you know, just guys that you didn't expect to really take that next step really have. Chandler Rome, Houston Chronicle. Uh, what what is the impact of Jordan Alvarez's IL stint, and what does this do to the overall outfield situation for Houston prior to this All Star break coming up? Well, they put they put themselves in a very enviable position with having a twelve and a half game lead in the division. Yeah. Um, they play in a terrible they play in a terrible division. Um, they're not really being challenged. They're not really being challenged much. Um, they've built such a big lead that they can afford to kind of slow play this. Same thing with Michael Brantley. You know, they're not going to rush these guys back. They're going to give them all the time they need. Um, but, you know, look, it is, it is a little bit concerning with Jordan Alvarez. You know, he's, he was supposed to go to the All-Star game, supposed to be in the home run. Uh, one, he was asked to do the home run derby. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what his decision would have been. We obviously know he won't do it now. Um, but, you know, I just think for him personally, it kind of sucks that, you know, it's his first all-star game and he won't get to participate. But obviously, you know, he's got bigger fish to fry and, and the Astros are want to get him healthy for this, uh, for, you know, when it counts in, in August and September. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a little bit extra time with him. Maybe he doesn't come back right after the all-star break. Because, again, they've given themselves a huge luxury in having this big lead. Taylor Rome, um, Astros are on pace to win 107 games. If you if you do the math, with a plus 102 run differential, uh, the second best in the American League, third in the majors, for a team that doesn't you know isn't very um, too too scary offensively, they seem to get timely hits when you need to. Tell me about uh, the year Alex Bregman is having. Yeah, it's certainly probably not been the year Bregman envisioned, certainly in the first half. He, he's gotten better, um, but the first couple of months were, were really not not good, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that he's kind of one of the reasons, and you don't want to put it all on him, but, you know, when you're talking about this offense and a world-beating offense, you know, they need him to, to hit like 2019 Alex Bregman, and he just hasn't right. done that. Uh, part of it maybe just been the power's not been there. But look, he, he's taken better at bats the last month or so. He's driving the ball a little bit better. I just think he was mechanically off. I just don't think he could really find his swing the first couple months of the season. It took him a while to get out of that rut. But I do think, you know, if he gets better, the lineup will just uh, in turn produce more runs. Okay, I got to ask you um, you get to go to all the ballparks. What's your favorite ballpark? 
Um, probably, uh, I don't know what they call it now in San Francisco. I think it's called AT&T Park now. Uh, I, okay. I, it was Pac Bell Park when I was growing up. So uh, I'll call it Pac Bell Park. But probably that ballpark in San Francisco is great. Seattle, I love T-Mobile Park. Yeah. Um, you know, Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park kind of have their own, like, set set place, <laughs> right? I think Fenway is excellent. Uh, but, yeah, those are probably my three or four favorite. Would it be a stunner if we didn't have a collision course between the Astros and the Yankees in the playoffs? Yeah, I don't see why. I don't see uh, how that couldn't happen. Now, look, it's baseball. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, the the Rays were the number one seed in the playoffs last year and lost in the first round. I mean, it can happen, mm-hmm. especially with the expanded playoffs now. Um, you never know. The playoffs in general, baseball-wise, are kind of a crapshoot. It's just who's playing the best at that time. Like, look at the Braves last year. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone would say that the Braves were the best team in baseball on paper, but they got hot at the right time and, and just played really well and won the World Series. So um, I think it's honestly going to be who's playing the best at that point. But, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think you can – um, I think you can kind of cement that the Astros and the Yankees have separated themselves as the two best teams in the American League. And uh, I really think, you know, barring something completely unforeseen, we could, right. we could, we're going to see them in the ALCS. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, Chandler Rome, Houston Chronicle. Yeah, I mean, I know the pitching's been great, but did you see this kind of year from Justin Verlander? I mean, he might be the uh, he, the Cy Young Award winner. Um, I mean, coming off of the surgery that he had and uh, to put up the numbers that he has done this year, it's kind of remarkable. Yeah, he's an animal. Um, I, and, like, you couldn't really envision this because no one's really ever done it, like, He's one of, like, I think eight guys that ever had Tommy John surgery at 37 or older and then came back. And, you know, of those other guys, you know, none of them were pitching 200 innings. I mean, he's on track to pitch 200 innings this year, which is just Jeez. unbelievable. Like, it's just, he's, uh, there's no other way to describe it. He's just an animal. I mean, and I, I would doubt him at your own risk. You know, I, I didn't doubt him before the season. You know, I, I always thought he'd produce the innings, and I thought the workload would be okay. I just didn't know how it would look. Like, would it be vintage Justin Verlander? And look, it for some parts of the season, it hasn't been. Like, he hasn't been getting the swing and miss we're accustomed to seeing. He's, he's been doing it a little bit differently, like inducing some weak contact, but that's allowing him to be more efficient. And I mean, he's just been—he's been everything they could have asked for and more. He's been, you know, certainly just adding another line to his Hall of Fame plaque. You know, it's a Lakers town with LeBron. You got the Rams with Stafford and company winning the the Super Bowl. But there's that Shohei Otani man. What kind of what's that city like with him? And do, do the Astros face him on the mound in this three game series? Yeah, they do. He actually is going to pitch tomorrow, so he'll pitch okay. and hit tomorrow, but. I mean, it's incredible. Like to to watch it in person and just I, I don't think people can fathom like how hard it is to do one of those things. Like to be an elite level pitcher or to be an elite level hitter. But for him to do both at an wow. elite level and do it in the same game, I mean it is unbelievable to watch. The endurance he has to have, the discipline he has to have. I mean he's like for my money, like even if he puts up like league average numbers doing both, he should be the MVP because like it, yeah. it is, it is no one's ever done it. Like this is this is something like truly unforeseen that we've never seen before. And you know, it's a shame, honestly, that he's being wasted by the Angels along with God. Mike Trout. Like yeah. have, they they have nothing around them, and the team is just in a complete free fall. 
Like he's the only reason he and Trout are the only reason to go to the ballpark. And I mean, the Astros know that too. Like the Astros know if they can control Trout and if they can control Otani, then they pretty much, you know, have a pretty smooth up, smooth ride at the ballpark. Yeah. That's a shame that they are, again, they will not be on a playoff team. Uh, the two of the best players uh, out there. Um, and the other one, I, you know, I, I I would pay to go see Otani play. I'd go, I'd go pay to see Aaron Judge play. That that's the biggest dude in baseball uniform I've ever seen. Man, he's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's he, he and Alvarez. You know, when they're healthy, you know, certainly they're on collision courses to they're they're on collision courses to you know maybe contend for AL MVP. But yeah. you know, obviously Alvarez being out now, but you know, I, I think Judge kind of beats him in the fact that he does play defense every day. Um, you know, uh, Jordan DHs primarily a little bit, but look, mm-hmm. we've seen Alvarez make some great plays in left field. Threw yeah. out a guy on the last homestand that with a huge double play from left field. He's getting better out there, and I think if he wants you know legitimate MVP talk, he's going to have to play a little bit more in the outfield. I'm with you. I love it, man. En- enjoy your time out in LA in the sunshine and the l- low humidity while it's raining and uh, high humidity where we are here. But uh, always great catching up with you, man. I know you're busy. Thank you for your time uh, and have a great time out there tonight. Though. All right. Thanks, Jory. All right. That's Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle. Shohei Otani. I'm telling you. Uh, okay, so speaking of the Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, right? You can see them live and in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle, one of uh, Chandler's favorite ballparks, Saturday, July 30th. You can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tuesdays, that means it's the Black and Gold Report, and that's next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. <coughs> Excuse me, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, Bobby, how are you, sir? Good to talk to you, my friend. Good to see you too, Jordy. I hope you're doing well. hope your family's doing great. I'm doing great. You got your Saints gold gold shirt on. So, um... Where do we begin? Um, you, you did an article, um, and I want to talk into it a little bit about three draft disappointments that are seeking a roster spot with the Saints. And um, I, I wanted to, to start with defensive end Taco Charlton. Um, tell me about him. What, what were the expectations? What's happened? And what do we anticipate? Uh, well, you know, first of all, Taco, uh, yeah, all three players that I highlighted uh, were ironically 
uh, you know, first or second round draft picks in the 2017 draft. Okay. Uh, you know, of course, we all know how well that's paid dividends for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but Taco Charlton was considered one of the uh, one of the top rated pass rushers coming out of the University of Michigan in that draft. Uh, and he was taken you know, late in the first round by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, Charlton showed some you know, really nice pass rushing uh, ability, uh, but he sort of fell out of favor uh, you know, with Cowboys coaches and front office. Uh, and you know, he, he's jumped from team to team to team. Uh, you know, he's been with Miami, Kansas City and Pittsburgh over the last you know, two years. Uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him. Uh, you know, to, to crack this New Orleans Saints depth chart at defensive end, a position that I think is the strongest, uh, one of the strongest in the na- entire National Football League. Hmm. Uh, unlike some of his, his contemporaries for the Saints, Charlton isn't going to be able to slide inside, uh, you know, to, uh, to play in certain alignments. So he is going to have to make this team based off of pass rush disruption uh, and improved run defense. But I think he's got a chance. I mean, yeah, he, he comes in, he's still a young guy, like 28 years old, 27, 28 years old. Uh, yeah, and, and again, you know, throughout all of his stops, the one thing that he could consistently do was pressure the passer. So if nothing else, he has the ability, to be a situational pass rusher the saints have enough depth here uh you know to use other players against the run on early downs uh and then you know maybe to move those guys inside you know whether it's a peyton turner or a Mm -hmm. marcus davenport or even a cam jordan inside uh if charlton makes the team based off of those pass rushing capabilities i like that i guess goes to show you um drafted by the cowboys drafted ahead of T.J. Watt, who was taken by Pittsburgh. Yeah. How about that? I mean, you roll the dice, and sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose, and they lost on that one because T.J. Watt uh, is a stud by by all means. Uh, Justin Evans at safety. Tell me his story. Uh, man, I like Justin Evans a lot. Uh, you know, I, I, again, a, a second round pick in 2017 uh, by our. Our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right. uh, and yeah, you know, Evans through his first season and a half, 2017 and 2018, man, he looked like a real keeper. Uh, you know, he is a, an aggressive thumper against the run, uh, but has the athleticism and the speed uh, you know, it, it, that gives him the range to be effective in even a single high safety alignment. He's a, he's a fluid enough athlete that he could even step into slot coverage. The thing that's killed Justin Evans, uh, you know, is he ruptured an Achilles tendon midway through 2018, uh, you know, had a setback in his rehab uh, and then injured it again. So he mm-hmm. hasn't played a down of NFL football since midway through the 2018 season. Wow. Uh, wow. Had, yeah. Uh, you know, you want to talk about a reclamation project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first of all, I think it shows a lot about this kid's toughness and passion for the game of football that he's still giving this a shot at a comeback. Obviously, the odds are against him, and the Saints have a pretty stacked safety unit, too. Uh, But if he has anywhere near the speed and the range he did before his series of Achilles injuries, I think he's got a shot to stick on this roster. Wow. You've got May. You've got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Matthew, uh, P.J. Williams. Smoke Monday's been pretty impressive, and Bryce Thompson's been drawing rays. Boy, he's going to have to really play well. Yeah, he really is. Uh, and, and again, you know, coming back from a couple of devastating injuries like that, uh, suffice to say the Vegas odds are against him. 
Uh, but yeah, it, just the passion and love for the football and toughness that he's showing uh, and you know, being out on that practice field for the Saints right now, that tells me a lot about his mental and emotional uh, makeup. We're going to see if he has it physically. And, you know, the, the Saints, it's a no risk or, uh, yeah, no, no risk, high reward situation for right. the Saints. Uh, right. You know, give him give him the chance. If he pans out, you got yourself one heck of a steal. Hmm. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. I think a guy that's very important. Um, also from, as you said, that 2017 draft taken as a second round pick by the Chargers. And that's an offensive lineman, a guard by the name of Forrest Lamp. You cannot have enough good offensive linemen. Is he good enough to stick on this club? And that's the question. I think talent-wise, he sure is. Uh, you know, uh, Lamp had his own injury setback. He missed all of his rookie season, uh, you know, with a torn ACL, uh, and really didn't get onto the field till midway through 2018. He didn't crack the starting lineup until 2020, uh, but he showed some good traits, especially as a run blocker. But he has the quick feet uh, to be a, a, a solid interior pass blocker too. <clears throat> and like you said, you know, with the injuries that we saw. Uh, you know, to the Saints offensive line last year. I mean, you know, the, the number of line combinations that the New Orleans had to use during the season is just beyond ridiculous. Uh, you know, Lamp brings starting experience to this unit. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, obviously, at least as of right now, Andrus Pete and Cesar Ruiz are going to be your starters. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Calvin Throckmorton has you know, proven to be a starting quality guard. Uh, and you have James Hurst who could fill in at guard very capably if he doesn't win the left tackle position over uh, rookie Trevor Penning. So Lamp's got his work cut out for him. Uh, but I think it's very interesting that you know, in OTAs and minicamp, uh, Dennis Allen and that offensive coaching staff were having Lamp take some reps at center. And we know that the New Orleans Saints love versatility, expect versatility out of their offensive linemen. Uh, Lamp played tackle in college. I don't think he has good enough feet for that. Uh, but the fact that they're cross-training him at center and he could play either guard spot uh, yeah, does give him the edge for perhaps that eighth or ninth offensive lineman spot uh, coming out of training camp if he plays well. I'm with you, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Another stacked um, area of this Saints ball club is the wide re wide receiver position. We know about Michael Thomas. We know about Chris Olave. We know about Jarvis Landry. But um, you got to fill some more spots, and you got some unheralded players, some newcomers that are trying to crack into it. Starting with uh, a guy that you like uh, from Arkansas State, Kirk Merritt. Tell me what you like about him. Uh, yeah, man, Kirk Kirk Merritt is an athlete. Uh, and he, uh, he he fits the prototype build that the Saints like in their receivers. He's a big physical guy, uh, but he was a sprint champion in high school. So the man can fly uh, with the ball in his hand. He was already wowing uh, you know, our John Hendricks, who was on site at OTAs, among mm -hmm. other observers, with the types of catches that he was making in training camp uh, or, uh, excuse me, OTA sessions. Uh, and you know, Lord knows the Saints have had uh, plenty of success with unheralded heralded wideouts before either late round draft picks or undrafted guys, uh, you know, and Kirk Merritt was, was one of three guys that I had my eye on in training camp. Uh, yeah, but you know, Merritt has these big hands. Uh, yeah, he isn't afraid to, to bang it with bigger defensive backs, bigger corners, bigger safeties and traffic. Uh, you know, so he's not just a one trick pony that's going to you know, look to take the top off a of defense. If he can refine his route precision, uh, I think you got to uh, you have a bigger guy uh, that can make plays over the middle and through the intermediate uh, zones of a defense. Ended up at Texas A&M. Um, 
uh, from Destrahan High School. Um, so, so we'll see what he can do. Now, here's a here's an interesting case. Uh, maybe not so much as a wide receiver, but maybe challenge as a um, return specialist, and that's Rashid Shahid, an undrafted rookie out of Weber State. What do you think of Rashid Shahid? Man, you want to talk about a guy that's electric with the ball in his hands, uh, you know, he, as a kick returner, uh, you know, and he certainly was an accomplished one at Weber State, like you said, as a kick returner, you click on that film and he reminds you a little bit of a guy named Deontay Harris at the time, yeah. now Deontay Hardy. Right. Uh, and, you know, it, Shahid was among you know, FCS and FBS leaders uh, in kick return, punt return average. Uh, and I think he, he returned seven kicks for a touch for touchdowns over his career. Uh, you know, he, he has the speed obviously to be dangerous as a wide receiver too uh but the interesting thing is people uh, people don't realize the saints rarely keep six receivers on their roster <clears throat> and even if they do so that number five and six guys they're going to have to be guys that contribute on special teams yeah so what if a guy like shahid i'm not saying he has to outperform deontay hardy uh you know as a kick returner or punt returner but if he gives the saints another option that allows them to use deontay more on the offensive side Absolutely. Uh, you know where and you pointed out yourself it looked like Deontay didn't look like the same kick returner last year uh, because maybe he got worn down with so many offensive reps mm -hmm. now you have a guy like you know Rashid Shahid uh, you know who potentially could give you that same kind of game breaking threat uh, and field position uh, you know momentum shifter uh, as a kick returner and that gives you a little bit of options you can you know you could still use Deontay as a kick returner from time to time but you can allow him to focus more on offense if you have a guy like Shahid that you could plug back there and, you know, scare special teams units. I kind of like that. Let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, um, uh, they've run a poll with executives and players and GMs and all that about the top 10 players at each position. We'll exp uh, we'll go through some of that, see who they think the Saint are the best Saints players at their positions. And we'll go over that with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network as we continue the Black and Gold Report Part 2 here on the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Stay with us. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. This Tuesday, July the 12th with the Black and Gold Report, Bob Rose, each and every Tuesday. And we're so appreciative of his time and his expertise from the Saints News Network. And, Bob, um, it, it's that time of the year. There's no games. There's no uh, practices. There's no OTAs. Everybody's getting their last vacations in to deal with the NFL. So it's time for lists and executives and coaches and players all combined to make their picks for the best of the best at every position on the field. And I wanted to weigh in and see your thoughts on this, starting with um, defensive end and edge rushers. Uh, we mentioned TJ Watt before with Taco Charlton. He's listed as the best of the best. Coming in at number 10 is Cam Jordan. What do you think about Cam still being ranked? 
Uh, I, I love the fact that Cam is still ranked, and I, you know, I think that says a lot about uh, what he's still able to do, even at 33 years old on the football field. Uh, you know, for my money, I thought Cam should be ranked even a little bit higher, uh, not necessarily in the top five, but a little bit closer to it. Uh, but definitely, congratulations to Cam Jordan, uh, and and you know, we we look forward to at least a few more, uh, you know, high echelon performances from him in the in the coming seasons. Uh, Saints have no uh, one in the top. 10 and uh but in the also receiving votes category for interior defensive linemen david anyamata made the list so out of all the teams and all the players that's not bad no not at all uh, especially when you consider anyamata had a, a disappointing season by his yeah. standards last year uh he missed the first six games with suspension uh you know and you know he only he only had two sacks on the year uh but i think he was third or fourth in the team in pressures uh you know so that says a lot you know and we know what david can do uh, as a run defender and an interior pass rusher uh and he's even athletic enough to move out to defensive end uh you know which again allows you know dennis allen and that saints uh, defensive staff uh you know to to swap those pieces up front and really make quarterbacks lives miserable in a landslide of course aaron donald uh the best of the best at that position um best inside linebackers they go with um darius leonard from the indianapolis colts and the colts are expected to have one of the best defenses Mm -hmm. out there the steal of the draft i thought last year was micah parsons of the dallas cowboys he comes in uh, rookie of the year he comes in at number two and i'm scrolling down and i'm waiting Uh, devin white the former tiger for tampa bay is at number four Four, I'm still scrolling. I'm trying to see. And number six, mm-hmm. our boy, Demario Davis, maybe one of the best free agent pickups in Saints football history, uh, Demario Davis. What do you think? Uh, in my opinion, the second best behind some guy named Breeze, uh, 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 who, did, yep. who did pretty well. Uh, yep. But I'll tell you what, in my opinion, Demario Davis is at least top three uh, in this category. I understand Parsons, uh, even though he's only done it for one year. And I understand Leonard. uh, And I really love Fred Werner out in San Francisco, too. Uh, You know, I think Davis is one of the NFL's best all around defenders at any position. Uh, I'm glad to see him come in at number six. And, you know, in my opinion, just like with Cam, that's a little bit too low. But Demario Davis is the straw that stirs this defense uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Well, he's some kind of good man. Where would this team be uh, without him? As we continue, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Let's turn to cornerbacks. I got a funny feeling that we've got one that's pretty high on the list here. Let's see. They uh, came up at number one, Jalen Ramsey of the L.A. Rams. He talks the game and he walks the game a little bit. There's no question. But coming in at number two, the highest rated Saint, Marshawn Lattimore. I love seeing Lattimore finally get this kind of respect. Uh, and really, a lot of people, uh, you, know, it, you know, let's take our Saints colored glasses off for a minute. Uh, you know, I, I think you could realistically say that Ramsey and, uh, and, and Lattimore are one and one, you know, one A and one B uh, in this category. Uh, you know, they're, they're he- and there's a lot of good cornerbacks out there, but these yeah. two are heads and shoulders above everybody else. You know, Lattimore is that rare cat that can just, you know, he, he could be pointed in the direction of the opposing 
opposing's top receiver, opposition's top receiver, no matter who it is. Uh, And you can rest assured that that receiver is not going to make a difference in the game. Uh, And that does so much. Yeah, that allows the defense to be so much more creative and aggressive uh, you know, with their pass defense coverages, uh, you know, at Lattimore, Lattimore is the best there is walking in the league at this position right now. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Do the Saints yeah. have one of the top safeties in, in the NFL or do they not? I, Jordy, I, I saw that ESPN came out with that safety ranking list, but I did not see the rankings. Uh, you know, so I do not know. Do you you got to believe. So, but do you think they have one of the top rated safeties or is this one of those prove it to me positions? You know what? My guess is that uh, Tyron Matthew, our honey badger, is going to be on that list somewhere, uh, you know, just because of the accolades he's received over you know, his entire NFL career, yeah. uh, including a Pro Bowl berth last year. Uh, you know, so if you ask me if you ask me to place a couple nickels down on it, I would say Tyron Matthews probably on that list. He's honorable mention um, at this point in time. So we got somebody there as well. And that's mm-hmm. that that's experience. Has his game slowed down a little? bit is he more of a thinking man safety now because in the past he was just see the ball be the ball go get the ball I, yeah, you know what? I think his game has slowed down. And I remember conversations uh, you, you and I were having before they signed him uh, on whether it would be a good idea and you know, what his role in it was. Uh, and I think we both agreed at the time uh, you know, that, that he slowed down, but he's just as good a player because he plays so intelligently now. Uh, you're right. When he came into the league, he was a lot like Troy Polamalu was for the Steelers. Uh, you know, just, just to go, go get him, sick him, sick him boy. Uh, you know, kind, kind of player. Uh, but Matthew has you know, developed his knowledge for the game. Uh, you know, his honed his instincts. Uh, and you know, in some plays, he almost knows what's coming before it happens. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Here's a good one for us. And, and I was kind of shocked about this one. This is the um, interior offensive lineman. Not a saint in the top 10. Eric McCoy, honorable mention. Boy, you talk about a chip on your shoulder if you're Ryan Ramchek and the rest of those guys, right? They list Quentin Nelson of the Indianapolis Colts as number one. Uh, yeah, and Quentin Nelson is you know, one of the best guards in the Bay. Obvious, according to ESPN and you know, these NFL executive players and coaches, he is the best. Uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to see Eric McCoy get a little bit more love. Uh, you know, I, 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 He's so key for what that Saints offensive line does. Uh, and I know Ryan Ramchick is out at tackle, but seriously, NFL and ESPN, you can't <laughs> name me three offensive tackles better than Ryan Ramchick. I mean, come on, it, on either side. Hop Rose, Saints News Network. Running backs, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. I can't argue with that. I wouldn't want to get in his way. Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis, ranked number two. Pretty darn good. Nick Chubb of the Browns, ranked third. Dalvin Cook of the Vikings, ranked fourth. And Alvin Kamara of the Saints, ranked fifth. Any arguments there? I'd actually put Kamara ahead of both Chubb and Dalvin Cook. And listen, I love both of those players, uh, but Kamara is the most versatile offensive uh, running back in the NFL. Uh, you're right. I can't argue with Derrick Henry. Uh, and, you know, based off of the year that Jonathan Taylor had, he looks like he's going to be a beast for, you know, for years to come. Uh, you know, but Kamara, 
the biggest knock on Camaro was can he run between the tackles? Right. Well, the last two years, he's proven to us that he can. Uh, and ever since he's been in the league, there is no better back. And I'm, I'm including Christian McCaffrey when I say this. Uh, there is no better receiving back out of the backfield. He is the ultimate weapon that can break a defense down from any spot in the offensive alignment. Uh, you know, so you know, it, it, you know, top five is a pretty glorious reward. Heck, top 10 is a pretty glorious yeah. reward. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it's tough to argue with these five and you could pretty much throw them in a hat and you know, pick mm-hmm. out names. And they are guys, you know, these five running backs are guys that you could build your team around. Uh, you know, so it's nice to see Kamara and you know, his receiving numbers were way down last year because of what they needed him to do. Uh, we expect him to miss six games, uh, as many as six games this year with a suspension. Uh, but he is still the focal point for this Saints offense. Uh, and I think that and that statement in and of itself tells you how important a player out. <laughs> Alvin Kamara is. Please let us know what his punishment's going to be so we can get on with this with this thing. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, Lattimore, second best corner. Um, Kamara, fifth best running back. Cam Jordan, 10th best edge rusher. Um, and that's basically a couple of honorable mentions. We used to have a guy that was in the top 10 in quarterback play, but that's not the case. If you had to go to an important game in the NFL and you could have any quarterback to lead your team, who would Bob Rose take? In the league right now? Uh-huh. Or in the league right now? In the league right now. I'd go with Joey Burrow. Okay. And and I, I know he's young. I know he hasn't won a championship yet. Uh, but, you know, with an offensive line that was absolute garbage in front of him. Uh, you know, we, we already knew he could sling the rock. Uh, but, you know, he showed us just how tough he was. Just how quick he can process things. Because he had to. Because he was going to be on his back in three seconds. Yeah. If he held onto the ball for as many as three seconds. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think Joe Burrow is a Hall of Famer in the making. And there are a lot of good quarterbacks in this league uh, you know, that, that I have respect for. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is one of those guys that you could take from this era and put in any other era. And he would be extremely successful. Successful. Uh, I just I, I love the Bengals, uh, you know, with him at quarterback. And, and yeah, I know I know TB12 is down in Tampa uh, and I know Stafford just won a Super Bowl and I know all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, for my if I had to win a game right now and look towards the future, Joe Burrow is my guy. And and you're right. What you're going to remember is not not the beautiful throw or his his uh, leadership. It's it's the fact that he was getting pummeled by the Titans defensive line in the playoffs and he still delivered a playoff win. Twenty eight mm-hmm. of thirty seven for three hundred and forty eight yards to go along with nine sacks that he got pummeled with and Cincinnati won it 19 to 16 on the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, they don't get, and I think you're absolutely right. He could play in this era, that era, whatever era I'm with you. Yeah. And to me, when I evaluate quarterbacks, that's one of the things that I evaluate them on. That's why I don't have a high opinion of Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's at the top of the list. Uh, yeah. And, and there's very few guys that can, that are in the league right now. I think our Drew Brees, uh, you know, height aside, I think he would have been able to excel. Uh, but I, I do value toughness and ability to process under pressure, uh, you know, very highly when I personally evaluate quarterbacks. Um, according to one NFL offensive coach, you will go nameless. Um, he says, quote, I hate to compare anybody to Brady, but Burrow might be the closest thing. Wow. What a compliment. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, Joe Burrow probably has better arm strength than Tom Brady, and yep. he's definitely a better athlete. Uh, but you know, the at high comparisons indeed. Uh, you know, because you know, it, 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 yeah, and you know, and we knew we knew what Joe Burrow did at LSU. Uh, I am just so happy that he has been able to continue that through his NFL career, uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy that the Bengals have taken the. It, taken that rock and said, Joe, we're going to surround our friend surround you with the pieces it takes. We gave you your receiving core. You have a top top tier running back. Uh, now we're going to you know, put all of our resources into the offensive line to make sure you have longevity yeah. in your career as well. They had Dak Prescott at number 10. Would you take Dak Prescott over uh, someone like a Lamar Jackson, who was an honorable mention, a Derek Carr, or a Kyler Murray? Yeah, I would. Uh, okay. I, I like Dak Prescott a lot. Uh, and yeah, it, it, Dak's had a pretty productive career himself. Uh, bouncing back from that gruesome ankle injury showed me what kind of tough kid he is. Right. Uh, it's a shame he plays with the star on the side of his helmet. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 yeah, I would take Dak Prescott to start my franchise. I think he's definitely a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> He's good, but he hadn't played well in the playoffs yet, and that's no. what you got to do to become great. So we'll, we'll have to see. What are what are realistic expectations for the Saints quarterback, Jameis Winston? What, what kind of numbers, what does he have to put up to get this team into the playoffs? Uh, well, first of all, and you know this as well as I do, he has to avoid mistakes. That's going to be the key. Uh, you know, I, I, other than that, uh, you know, I, I could see Jameis coming in uh, you know, based off of the weapons around him and what we know he can do with the football. Uh, I, I think Jameis is going to have a 45, 4,600 yard season uh, uh, or at least in a low 4,000 yards, uh, you know, somewhere around 30 touchdowns. Uh, and if he can limit his, uh, his interceptions uh, you know, to somewhere around 10 or 12, this team is going to win the NFC South. Uh, if he's at 15 picks, 15 turnovers, because I include fumbles in that too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 15 turnovers or less. This is definitely a playoff team. Uh, yeah, and, and and you know I'm a fan of Jameis Winston. I think at this time next year uh, we're going to be talking about Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, in the in this top 10 you know, ESPN list. Can we get back to that Saints offense of 2011? The that elite offense that put up the most offensive yards by a team in a season in NFL history and it still stands to this day 7474 yards wow that team doesn't get talked about enough uh, in, in in the annals of NFL history and you know it angers me uh, I I realized they they would be talked about more if they made the Super Bowl. Right. But people talk about those Air Coriel teams of the early '80s, and rightfully so. They didn't make a Super Bowl. People like the you know, the juice up Aaron Rodgers and his offensive numbers. They haven't made a Super Bowl in recent years. That 2011 Saints team was Sean Payton's best team. I think if you put them on the field with the 2009 Super Bowl champions, I think the 2011 team beats them. Uh, you know, a, a fluke. Yeah, a, a, a fluke, lack, a lackluster performance against San Francisco in the playoffs killed them. Otherwise, I think they roll to a second Super Bowl title. Give me some names from that team. Oh God, I mean Jimmy Graham is an easy one. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, but uh, Marcus Colston yeah. uh, had a monster season. People forget how how good Lance Moore uh, and yes. Devery Henderson was yes. for them. Yes, um, and you know, I mean even defensively. 
Uh, you know, Jonathan Vilma was still playing at a pretty high level. Uh, you know, they had a deep defensive line rotation. Uh, you know, they kept guys fresh up front. Uh, you know, you have one of my favorite Saints of all time back on the offensive side, Pierre Thomas. Yeah, boy. He uh, was you know, just, and, and, you know, that running back crew that Sean Payton hit defenses with. Uh, I mean, you know, Mark Ingram only rushed for about 400 yards that season because he couldn't get on the field and stay yeah. on the field because they had, you know, Ingram, Chris Ivory, Pierre Thomas, and, you know, obviously Darren Sproles. Uh, and, you know, I, I mentioned Jimmy Graham. They had an offensive line. And, you know, I think Breeze was sacked like 18 times or something, you know, lowly mm. ridiculous that year. Mm. Uh, you know, for the number of passing attempts, uh, that's just uh, – for him to get sacked and pressured that little was just absurd. That was quite a team. Um, we'll see what this 2022 uh, Saints offense, what kind of numbers they put up. We'll see. Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Always fun, buddy. I think we covered it all, man. Take care of yourself. Enjoy your week. Tuesdays are a lot better here because of you. Thank you. No, thank you. And you make my Tuesdays brighter, too, my friend. We'll Bye, buddy. Soon. You take care. All right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's packing its bags, heading to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Tune in my, starting Monday, July 18th. as both RP3 and company in crunch time. With Miguez and Mesh, we'll be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live, they'll also be providing live updates every day on footnotes and at 2.15 here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Um, we'll say a quick goodbye after this final timeout on the Jordy Heltberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. All right, we are back, 56. So almost 56 minutes after the hour, as we wrap up this Tuesday edition, the rain pummeling as as we speak where I am. Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bernie. Uh, Tigers on a recruiting heater. They picked up a four-star running back from Liberty Magnet today. So that's good news. Chandler Rome, as the Astros begin a three-game series with the L.A. Angels tonight. Um they're on a roll as well. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. If today, July 12th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Share yours with. Um, back in the day, he was the fitness guru, right? Richard Simmons is 74 years old today and a scary dude football player turned wrestler. Brock Lesnar is 45 years old today. Uh, James, thank you so much for all you do tomorrow. Uh, the open championship preview with our golf analyst, Alex Myers, um, more on the tigers and, uh, much, much more. Of course, hump day with Huguenin as well. So, um, to all of you for listening, we thank you. To our partners that make this happen every day, we thank you. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty. My friends, do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And by all means, be happy. So long, everybody.